Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer. Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dickmar, Albie Kidd, Marcos Flores and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Hello and welcome to The Real Football Show. Without Chris Dittmar, maybe for about six or seven weeks, he's on a well-deserved break. Joining us today is the very famous Albie Kidd. Morning, Val. Big week of football, Albie. Oh, yeah. You look at the EPL, you look at um, even the local league, uh, the, all the games are coming to the finals, but uh, EPL, Champions League, there's a lot to talk about, Val. Oh, something pretty bad happened in the Champions League. We'll touch on that later. That happened yesterday, PSG in Istanbul from Turkey. And Marcos Flores, the uh, only Johnny Warren medal winner from Adelaide United, he joins us as well. Marcos, uh, how's Adelaide Atletico going? Good morning, guys. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, we have our first session last Thursday for completely for free, and today we're going to have our second session. It was fantastic. We got uh, a lot of kids having fun there in the park and, and, and growing now slowly, but growing our, our beautiful football family. So we've got a, a good lineup of guests today. So uh, Tony Dorigo, Leeds United legend, got his big break, I suppose, with Adelaide City in friendly matches back in the 80s and wrote a letter. There's a great story. He'll be joining us uh, this morning. Aurelio Vidmar, back from legend. the Lion City Sailors Did in he? Singapore. He's in quarantine for 14 days. I think he's doing the second day right now in Adelaide, so he's doing his nala at the moment. <laughs> I'll be good at talk to Vidis. Um He's been, as you say, coaching in Singapore and... Uh, a big history with with Vidi there, but so is he is he coming back to do something here? Or is he just having well, a break from Singapore? Him. Yeah, we'll ask him. send the proposal okay. for Atletico. We will ask him, <laughs> and we're also talking to the Chilean World Cup star from 2019, uh, and she's based here in Adelaide. That's Maria Jose Royas, and she'll discuss the hot topic in women's football. In That's a red card, That's a red kid. card. Sorry, apologies. apologies. And uh, just. News coming through at the moment, with the A-League kicking off on the 27th of December, Newcastle Jets and their ownership debate looks like uh, the owners that had proposed to take them over. It's not going to happen, Albie. It's a worry. Um, I've got some inf- inside information there um, through Laurie McKenna as well, but uh, they were really on uh, someone's case about taking ownership. But you look at the the start date now, Val. That's not going to happen for the the start of the season. And I think it's oh, you reckon in, it's not going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen at all. So what? They'll postpone it. You think? Well, you know, if if I'm, I don't, I'm not confident that they're going to get a, a deal signed with a, a, a new owner in this short period of time. That's what that's what my point is. I think honestly, I think it's in disarray just now. You shouldn't be having anybody. You know what happens if the if the, the the owner drops off the the edge. Finished, but but what I heard but the league's is going to be it's it's up to now the other A-League you know? clubs to actually prop up Newcastle Jets. That's the the speculation going around. Yeah. So, but you've got like like I talked to you a bit earlier this morning. You have Sydney FC financially okay, Western Sydney Wanderers okay, Western United, Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City, and then the other clubs, as we know, are wanting haven't got the cash to prop up Correct. Newcastle Jets. So how's it going to work? Well, that's my point. You know the. The main thing for New, Newcastle Jets is that they need to get an owner, a new owner, an independent owner. Now, again, I've been speaking to people in Sydney close to the Newcastle club and, you know, they're confident that that's going to happen. But 
you know, what I'm saying is the league's going to start too soon to stitch up that deal. And what happens if they don't get the deal? It's going to be in disarray, Val, because you've yeah. got to pay players. Um, there's a lot of that happening as well. I just hope it doesn't go back to 1997, 98, I think it was, when Collingwood Warriors, remember that project, and you're around, Albie, when the, I think that was a Heidelberg mixture with Collingwood, and, yep. and two, three games into the season, they dropped out. That would really send the A-League spiralling, and it's... You know, we're we're heading back to amateur status. Yeah, crossing fingers. Sorry, crossing fingers that they they solve this thing. Um, Newcastle Jets is a beautiful. They got a beautiful football community over there. Um, I'm, I, I loved it every second. But um, it, it is interesting. I hope that every single A League club get aligned. You know, I know how hard it will be, but but it, the A League is for is is is. Is all of us. It's not independent. It's all of us. That's how that is the model of Australia at this stage. So we should protect each other. Definitely. And, you know, to bring in another negative is, you know, Stanjic uh, at um, Central, Coast. Central Coast. You know, there's, I hear there's a word there that he's owned a fair bit of money. He's actually paid the players. Uh, from his own pocket. Ooh. So, and, and uh, you know, it's not good, it's, right? We're, we're, we're going back 20... I'm trying to watch what I'm saying here, but, um, no, but, but, but really, that's, that's the type of thing that's happening in the A-League in this day and age, and it's not healthy. It needs to be fully sustainable, and unfortunately, it's not. Mm. Just on that as well, I heard also Adelaide United had been asked to take the players another pay cut. I mean, this is like... I think it happened one or two weeks ago. This is... A month out before the start of the season, you want your boys and the salary cap's being dropped to take another pay cut. And I, I think the circumstances leading into this season are not good. There's no marketing at the moment. We don't know when it's going to start. The hype isn't there anymore. I'll tell you what is positive, though. The, the, the young guys are going to get a go. Okay, they're going to be getting game time mm-hmm. because there'll be a lot of clubs right across the board, Val. Marcus, that will be yeah. paying the minimum wage, which is, I don't know, 40, 45 grand a year. A and then and then they're going to get game time. However, the standard of the game's possibly going to suffer. Well, no, possibly. <laughs> it's definitely going to suffer. But how about, like, we were talking about this earlier as well. So you've got players, and, and I'll give you an example. A player who came out of Melbourne Victory, I won't say his name, and now he's going to play NPL next season. Yep. He's, on, he's going to be on $2,000 a game playing MPL. He, was, he would be earning now more than his contract at Melbourne Victory. So this is what's happening as well. Well, let's put it in perspective here. If, you, if you've got um, you know, a player that's married with a young kid or two young kids and he's on forty-five grand a year, right, in an A-league gig, right, that's, that's not going to work. Okay, if he goes to an EPL, uh, NPL club in Melbourne, for example, and he's earning two grand a game, and they play something like, I don't know, 25, 30 games there. There's 60 grand already, but, but added to that, it'll be working as well. And normally what clubs do is they, they facilitate a job for him. So he's, so he's earning and, he, and, he's, and he's living the way he should be living. It's a problem. Yep. If you got the mentality that just only you care about what happened that year at 25, because if you have the mentality to go to get a gig in A-League, play good 15 games like Andrew Navu and you go and earn $2 million in Japan. Yep. So life is about risk, guys. 
Life is so about that. Do you take it. risk? Someone take a risk. And some, when I was yeah, 24 other, years old, I actually got invited to come to Adelaide, Adelaide United, and the contract was not magnificent. Yeah. And I came all over from South America, playing in the first division over there, to come to Australia when it was only nine clubs, nine clubs back then, 2010, nine, ten clubs. And I came here with a salary that they sent me, oh, Marcos, that is the salary. And then later on, when I arrived here in the hotel, they explained me about taxes. They explained me about gross and net. So <laughs> I actually play with my heart, with everything what I got, like I did in my career. But then that move makes me to go to China. So that is a risk that sometimes you take. So I understand this because at the end of the day, for an Australian fella that's just only thinking about, I'm going to apply here in Australia. I don't want to go anywhere. It's better just go to MPL. That is right. But, the, but then again, you, you, it's not, I'm not sure if that's a good example because Mabu, he's, he's a guy that's never, ever going to be on the lowest wage yeah. uh, in the A-League. He's always going to be. But he was. He came, he came to Adelaide Victory. He came to, uh, to Melbourne Victory when I was there. Yeah. We picked it from Zebras. And he went to play literally for free with Ange Postecoglou. But you're talking about a young, a young kid at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right? So he's not married, he's not got any kids, he's not got any responsibilities. But the, the guy that you're speaking about, he's possibly got, he's married, he's got a couple of kids. You know, it's, it's a better attraction, yeah. earning more money. Yeah, yeah. And more players are going to jump off. Yeah. Now, just on, on the speculation, um, James Troisi perhaps is going to be on the move um, away from Adelaide United. There's... A lot of talk about him joining Carl Robinson at Western Sydney. Okay. That could happen in the next few days. Well, that's a disappointment because uh, Tracy is, uh, is probably one of the best players there, if not the best. And if you're going to lose that, you know, through, uh, what, would he be a free transfer going to Western be, Sydney? It'll be a free transfer. And I understand from uh, reports that he has been allowed permission to actually talk to other clubs. Yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing. It really yeah, is. Because he's and a then come player, it, man. He's, uh, I mean, you need youngsters around him, and, and he can he can light in the game. Um, well, you need that experience. Yeah, but, well, but guys, it's magic. a sign of the times. You know, we're, we're in the midst of COVID, or maybe hopefully coming out of it. But yeah, I hope so. you know, the money's there. You know, Troisi will be the biggest earner there, I would imagine, or one of the biggest earners. And you know, this is obviously it's a financial mm. decision for the club to to look at. Mm. And unfortunately, they're going to lose a, a key player. Yeah, and it comes on the back of Stefan Mork, obviously being announced captain, and Jordan Elsie, Ben Halloran in the leadership group. Um, and as we speak, Adelaide United are playing a friendly match against MacArthur Bulls mm -hmm. in Western Sydney, 2-0 uh, on Monday. Also, uh, other Sorry, news... just a, is Milicic the new manager of that, that club? Anti MacArthur Milicic? Bulls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, left the Matildas. Jenna McCormack, the South Australian Matilda, uh, she's just rejoined Melbourne City again. Um, I understand. I, th I think she was there last season. She played at Spain's Real Batiste, but I'm just wondering why she, did she not come back to Adelaide United? And, of course, she's a star also for the Adelaide Crows AFLW side as well. Well, the star over the weekend was Kerr. Hard trick for Chelsea. Absolutely. She got injured celebrating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming up shortly, uh, a legend of the game and... Uh, Got his break here in South Australia. Tony DiRigo, a Leeds United legend all the way from England.
13 minutes gone, still nil-nil. Strachan's corner finds the head of White. Dorigo! Leeds United have the lead. Joining us live from England, the uh, Leeds United legend got his start in football here in South Australia with Adelaide City, plus Bert Callow played for them. Tony Dorigo, welcome to The Real Football Show, Tony. Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, just tell us about what you're doing now. And obviously Leeds United back in the big time after so many years in the lower leagues and, and you're working now for Leeds United and also doing uh, Champions League comms, I believe. Yeah, I think uh, Leeds United uh, always been close to my heart. Obviously, I had six years uh, at the club. We, we won the title in 1991 Um So, yeah, a lot of fond memories. They kind of asked me to come back in, uh, in various capacities really try and just uh, help out with some ambassadorial work. And uh, from there, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I work in the media anyway, so I commentate a lot on the City R, the internationals. I'm doing the Euros uh, next year. And, uh, yeah, Champions League, FA Cup, all sorts of stuff that uh, I do there. I do more and more with Leeds United now. So I do all their commentaries as well, home and away. So I manage to get to uh, all the games. I do uh, preview shows. So basically I talk about football. Not a bad job, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Tony Albi, kid, how are you, sir? Yeah, good, mate. Very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, EPL table. We cover the EPL as well. And um, this COVID, uh, it's just... Absolutely obliterated the, the you know when you look at the round the grounds and you see minimal crowd it's uh, very you know very distasteful you know right across the board but uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on looking at um, the 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 table as it stands you know Spurs being at the top Liverpool Chelsea. Uh, Leicester and Southampton and Man United in sixth spot but down below you've got teams like Arsenal in fifteenth. You know, your former club in 14th, uh, Leeds United. But uh, I'm interested to see, what's your thoughts on, on, on the league? Is it um, a true reflection of the, the abilities within each respective team? I think what's interesting is that I always look at the, uh, the league after about 10 games or so, and it does just about sort itself out. But I think what you're seeing in the league at the moment is a, a midfield that's just packed. It's so tight. I think Leeds, uh, yeah, 14 points. If we win, we can go up to West Ham and jump up five or six, seven positions. So uh, I think that's where it's going to be tight. Down the bottom, there seems to be three or four uh, kind of really struggling. Uh, but at the top, I think you're seeing the best teams now. I, I've uh, watched Leeds play Chelsea. Uh, I was there at Stamford Bridge uh, last weekend. Chelsea, yeah, I mean, they, they can go for it uh, this season, absolutely. They've got some great players there. They're more, than, more importantly, they're forming a great team. Uh, now the defence is sorted out, the problem positions at left-back, centre-half and goalkeeper have been sorted out with Chilwell, uh, Thiago Silva and Mendy. Uh, and they've got the best young German talent. They spent 220 million quid, so they should be very good at and, and they certainly are. Uh, we also played Liverpool, away at Anfield. And actually, I'll go back to your point about no fans as well. It's an absolute travesty. It really is. And it's such a, a, a different feeling. You know, when I'm going back to, to Anfield, I remember playing there, you know, so many times. We've got 40,000, 50,000 people going absolutely crazy. <laughs> and there I was with Leeds United. The game of the season, the first game, 4-3 to Liverpool in the end. But the overriding factor for me is I'm looking in the cop, there's absolutely no one. I'm looking at the, the football that was played on the pitch. An incredible game, you know, top quality, so much ability at stake. And Leeds United haven't been back there for 16 years and their wow. fans still can't watch a Premier League game. So all round, it's a... It's a poor job. We understand why. It's difficult times. 
Uh, and Chelsea, for the first time, the last game that I went to on Saturday night, they had 2,000 supporters. And what a difference. So I really do hope that uh, that comes back. But back to your question, I think that the ones going at the top now, Tottenham, yeah, I mean, they're looking really good. Sorted at the back. Kane and Son up top. They've got chances. Liverpool are there. Chelsea are there. And I do expect United and City to, to creep up as well. Tony, just to hone in on Arsenal uh, as a talking point, you know, Arteta, you know, I did uh, see him on an interview saying that these players um, need to have a look in the mirror uh, and just what they're, what they're about these days. But um, that's, uh, that's disappointing to see. He's obviously a young coach. This is his, I think this is his first gig as a head coach. But, uh, you know, just the, the player power in dressing rooms. I'm interested to speak to you about that. Is there any of that happening, uh, you reckon, at uh, where Arteta at uh, Arsenal? Arsenal played at Ellen Road uh, two and a half weeks ago, I think. Leeds United, a promoted side, played them off the park. How we didn't win that game, I don't know. Um, they were really poor and uh, not what you expect of an Arsenal side. I think for Arteta, when he first came, came to the club, he made a difference. So that there's no doubt. And he tried to get that mentality into them. But I think they've lost their way. I, I really do. And I look at their style. I look at some of their players. I look at Aubameyang. I mean, that's the... The, the biggest, I suppose, example for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, signed a huge new, huge new contract, uh, but now he's playing up top. He looked half interested, and if someone's on two, three hundred thousand pounds, was that you know half a million Australian dollars a week? You'd expect him to run around a bit, and he was just very, very frustrated. <laughs> and if and Arteta, if, if Arteta's coming out with those sort of comments now, that to me is a huge red flag. You know, absolutely, because as you mentioned, player power is key. So you not only have to be now a very good technical coach. You have to get into the minds of these players. You know, they have so much money. It's, that's not what it's about. You can't use that stick anymore. So it's all about getting to their minds and hearts and making them come with you, you know, running through brick walls. And Arteta, unfortunately, isn't doing that with his Arsenal players. Tony, uh, it is here, Marco Flores, and, and, I'm, I'm, and I wanted to introduce myself a little bit in terms of that I come from the city of Marcelo Bielsa. Um, I'm talking about all these lack of management of, of Arteta, what a, what a opposite, uh, thanks God, is, is Marcelo Bielsa, how he can empower a football club. Um, and, and now my, my question is that he is, is always have a reputation to, to make a revolution in whatever he goes. Now my question is that can be can sustain that intensity, can, can actually this passion goes for a longer period so we can see uh, leads, leads sustain, uh, sustain that, that passion and energy through, through, through a longer period? Do you think, Tony, that that is the case? Well, it's interesting, Marco, because you understand uh, you know, Bielsa very, very well. I always uh, have known him from afar. And just what you say, I see him have effects uh, you know, short term, but he then he moves on to the next club and the next club and the next club. Yeah. Um, but he came to Leeds United when Leeds were 14th uh, in the championship, a lot of average players, and he has turned the club around. He's turned it on its head. And when I talk about players running through brick walls, they would run through steel walls for Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah. And he hasn't really turned the club around. He's got the city behind him, the whole city. And I, and I think... Your point is interesting because I really do think that actually he has such an affinity with the city and the people because they love him. They love yeah. him dearly. He's here for his third season. He doesn't normally stay longer than two years. Yeah. Yeah. He's here yeah. for three years. He's still going. 
And I actually don't live in the same, uh, same place as him. And he's always walking to the local coffee store to have a, have a cup of coffee. He says a load of people, walks with his bags of shopping and walks back to his house. I mean, this is a, a, a person we've never come across before. Yes. He is so intense on his football. But what he has got is a great, great belief in his style and what's required mm-hmm. to win. And it's very different to what a player is normally used to in England. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is that in the championship, I questioned whether it was uh, possible to play that style with that intensity for 46 games in a season. Mm-hmm. And my, the answer is yes, because we won the championship by 11 points. Yeah. However, I think the way we play and Bielsa's style is even better suited for the Premier League. Yeah. So we're going straight up into the, the, the big league and we're, we're taking it to the, the big teams and, uh, and we're doing okay. So uh, I'm a huge Bielsa fan. I do hope we uh, certainly can sustain it. He does play it at such an intensity, which makes it uh, certainly more difficult. Uh, but we have less games. We had 46, now we have 38 in the Premier League. So uh, I'm hopeful that it can continue. Tony, just uh, changing, well, topic now. Yesterday in the UEFA Champions League, you know, what happened in, in Paris with PSG in Istanbul, uh, Basaksa here, and, and the fourth official accused of racism. Obviously, that's reverberated intensely in, in, in the UK. What, what's, what's been the takeover there over it, and, and what, what do you think the ramifications can be? I'm certainly delighted that uh, both teams, you know, stood up and just walked off the pitch. What is happening in Europe is that each country is certainly, you know, running at different speeds uh, with the, the challenges we have against racism. Uh, UEFA clearly are trying to offer that united front that, uh, you know, you can tell I commentate on games all around Europe and you can uh, hear things and they're, they're treated in a, in a kind of different way. Uh, previously, of course, the, the punishment they get uh, was pathetic. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. So yeah. something has to be done at some point. Well, you know, who can do it? It's the players. You know, they have a, a, a lot of power. And so it was really good to see that both sets of players immediately just went straight off the pitch because, you know, you, you've got to send out uh, a message nice and clear uh, of, you know, what we expect from fans, what we expect from society. And that, listen, we know it's not going to happen overnight, but there has to be some very, very strong, there's no grey area. And before you know, the fines of 10,000 euros and, and you know, stopping 2,000 fans going into certain parts of the ground, that's not good enough, you know, absolutely not. But what you saw last night, although very disappointing, especially for an official, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, I did quite like the unity of both teams to say, right, we're off and uh, you know, let's sort this problem out. So what that gives license to going forward is teams and players, if they do hear it nice and you know, clearly of what's going on with racism inside the stadium, they have the confidence to say, listen, this is what's going on. Let's get off, lads. And, uh, you know, and the teams will follow and back them. When are you coming back home, mate? We haven't seen you uh, here for, what, I'm, three years? Well, yeah, I know. And I was, I was back uh, not last Christmas, Christmas before, and then a fantastic right. time. I want to come, come back out as soon as I can, uh, as soon as this COVID thing is blinding over. The first place I'm coming is down under, mate. Don't worry about that. Can't wait to see you. Well, Tony DeRigo, thanks for your time. Uh, have a great Christmas if we don't speak to you before then. And... Uh, well done with the with your work in the media, and let's hope that Leeds can do uh, you proud at least. Great, lovely. Thanks very much. And think of me; it's winter over here, by the way. <laughs> well, it's what thirty I, degrees. I'm dying. It, it's killing me. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? But enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> Thank you, then. Going, Thanks, Tony. Tony. Cheers. Cheers. What a legend, Tony Dorigo, and close to Leeds United. And what he said about Bielsa, you know, 
unheard of, walking to the cafes, amongst it with the people. But you know what? He, he, he used a phrase that I use, run through brick walls for you. And that's, you know, that's, a, that's a, an old saying. Because Tony will be cracking on, what, 50 plus now. And, you know, it, it, it's music to my ears. That, that, that coach has got his players running through brick walls for him. Because you know what? That's a recipe uh, for success for sure. Yeah. The opposite to that is, you know, the Man United's of this world that we we hear. It's it's it's, you know, in the press all the time. What a disaster that, that is. Well, you know, like said, the Pogba's of this world and that, and you know, but just is superstars. It, is, is it the players or the management above that can't motivate? Well, what what we're hearing about the the, the coach at Leeds is is the fact that he's got in his makeup, he's won the town over now. Leeds, you know, going back the history of Leeds United, they're a massive, massive club, okay? And they've got a massive support. Uh, it's a sleeping dog, and, and really, you know, they'll come to the fore. They've got a good coach there that, that obviously understands, you know, that he needs to manage the players to an extreme whereby in this modern-day football world, there's people earning lots and lots of money, and they're more difficult to, to manage. But what he's, he's got it right on the pitch with the crowd... And more importantly, we, we his players as well. Great point. And 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 do you hear what Tony said? That he believes, he believes in what in 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 his philosophy. Now his philosophy, Marcelo Bielsa's philosophy methodology is being honest, fearless. He just loved the game. He goes and attack, and attack, and attack, and he doesn't care. He took Chile to the to to the World Cup against Brazil, and he just put three defenders, one midfielder, three attackers, and, and he didn't just care. He just go forward, go forward, and he go. Sometimes he doesn't have a plan B. Yeah, He believes in plan A. But now my thing is, I hope that the players can handle this. Because I don't have any doubt that Bielsa will keep going like this for years and years until he died. But now the player, the second year, can be keep handling it. Obviously, you love, but you need energy to cope this this intensity demanding coach. You know, I think lads, that the biggest thing that, that came out for me with Tony Torrego making the comment was that he's he's clearly a humble individual. Yeah, you know, he's yeah, going yeah. for his shopping with the with the, the punters there and speaking to the punters, having a coffee with the punters and carrying his uh, his uh, supermarket stuff. Back home, and you know, that, that's that, that's great for me. When you hear things like um, a player getting picked up in a Rolls Royce in the morning to come to training and picked up uh, to go back to his south, that that's really turns me off. That really turns me I was getting that money, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Get a helicopter to fly you in. How about the Champions League group stages com concluded this morning, and obviously, um. The expected teams, I think the biggest disappointments in the Champions League have been Manchester United out, out of it. Yeah. And uh, obviously, they got done, what, 3 2 yesterday uh, yeah, in a shock loss. And then into Milan, all that money they spent as well, they're out as well. So, the, I mean, the big teams are there Bayern Munich, Atletico, Roma did, Madrid, Bunchen, Munchen, Gladbach, Manchester City, and Porto, Liverpool, Atlanta. Uh, Mabil's team got, got a point against Liverpool this morning in a 1 1 draw with Michelin. Chelsea, Sevilla, uh, Dortmund, Lazio, Juventus and Barcelona, PSG and Leipzig. Well, that's been established. Um, you know, 
as you say, Liverpool, Chelsea, Borussia Dortmund. I won't go through them again, but um, there is a few big clubs in there. It's going to make for a good competition. Uh, but I'm interested to speak about Val the, the the quote that's in the paper from Mourinho this morning that um, um, he's very disappointed that uh, Man United's come down. Uh, it's unfair, he says. That was the word unfair, the pertinent word, that Man United is going to be coming into the Europa because they've failed in the Champions League. He's having uh, a lend. Well, Surely he's, he's yeah, having a lend. Well, he's just stating the obvious because, you know, that's the rules and regs right across the board. So I'm not sure if he's got a hidden agenda there. There might be a, a league hidden agenda to get them off the 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 beaten track. Or, But I thought it was a, a, a strange comment. It is, but I mean, it's Mourinho. I mean, he's he's having a crack at Manchester United, and obviously they're out of the Champions League. He doesn't want them in the Europa League because he wants to win that. But a rumour coming out of uh, Italy is Dybala from Juventus might be heading to Manchester United in January and Paul Pogba coming back to Juventus. Right. Mm, okay. That's a pretty hot tip mm. coming out well, of there. Juventus uh, in the Champions League, they're smashing Barcelona 3-0 away from home. It was such a travesty, like, without any fans, though. Because yeah. I'm a I'm a Juve fan, and to watch Ronaldo and Messi back in the same stadium, and and Ronaldo scoring two goals, great spectacle, spot, yeah. But with no fans, it just it doesn't cut it for me anymore. Well, it's difficult, and we did putting the money to the side. You know, we mentioned it on the show a few shows back, and Ditz was saying that um, you know these guys are playing for big dollars; they should perform. But but there's something missing from a player's point of view. You score a goal, you know, you go to the crowd, you enjoy the moment. Uh, there's a, a great ambience in the stadium. There's nothing there. He's an and extra. Tony, and Tony Dirigo endorsed that there. He's an extra. He's an extra. He's an extra that they play a gift to you. Yeah. And now you're watching football without that extra that is is quite uh, boring, you know? When you think, you cast your, your mind back to Friday night at, where were we, uh, Albie? Athelstan Reserve. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. Eastern United v. Gawler for promotion, State League 2 to mm-hmm. State League 1. Had more fans than Juventus Barcelona yesterday at the Camp Nou. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? And by the way, you know, uh, congratulations to Eastern United yes, last night, 100%. beating uh, Cobras 1 0 in a very tough match. Thought that was well deserved for, from Eastern United, but uh, good on the boys. They, they've done well, and, uh, you know, that's the first trophy I think they've ever won at Athelstan. Yeah, awesome. uh, sorry, Eastern United. Well done to and, the kid uh, man. Yeah, as the chairman, yeah, Stephen, yeah, Kitt, Stephen yeah, yeah. getting it all together. No, that's good. He was very, very happy last and night. And tonight, obviously, White City take on uh, Sturt Lion. That's a big game. Yeah, I'm going to go see that one. I'm going to see the game on Friday as well, the the NPL Cup final with Comets and Campbelltown. So, uh, look, the, the the local league coming to an end, but uh, some couple of good games uh, to finish off, Val. What do you think about Campbelltown and Comets? I think it's going to be a very tough match. It always has been. Um, you know, Comets are obviously going to go in there as favourites, I would say. They've, they've, they've done well this year and, and they've beaten Campbelltown, I think, a couple of times. Um, but Campbelltown are a bit of a handful if they get certain players playing. And well, that's uh, such as? Well, you, you look at, the, um, you look at uh, Detroit as well. You, uh, I rate Detroit. I think he's a good player. Robbie's lad. Yeah. Um, he, he could come good. Marino, uh, Marino. Mark Marino, yeah, I think yep. he's back from suspension. Right, so he's going to be a key as well. But, um, you know, it's going to be a tough match, but it could, could go either way, lads. Mm. Coming up shortly, we have uh, the Chilean international base here in Adelaide for a few years now. Played at the World Cup 
last year for Chile in France in the Women's World Cup. She's won the MPL, WNPL Player of the Year. This is Maria Jose Royas Aka Cote. And we might break some news with it's her. It's easy as for well. you to say. Cheers. Maria Jose Rojas. Maria Jose Rojas, la Cote Roja, que se ha ganado el corazón de los hinchas. Grande Cote, explotó la portada. 17.000 almas gritando por Chile. Y desde Arica a la Antártica, todo el mundo grita sea Chile, Lele. Viva Chile, porque la Roja está ganando, señores. Maria Jose Rojas en los 35. Chile 1, Uruguay 0. Y María Jose Rojas, la Cote Roja, con esa extraordinaria, exquisita... Okay, guys, here we are with the superstar, um, in my opinion, the best player here in the women local league, local league uh, Maria Jose Rojas. So, so you can learn this one. Uh, Maria, Maria Jose, Jose Rojas. Rojas. Come I'll on, just Tess. call her Maria. How are you? That's okay. But they call her Cote. Yes. Okay. So, could, why do they call you Cote? Please tell us. It's just a nickname that um, people call. Um, it's like um, a short name for Maria Jose, so mm -hmm. everyone knows that in Chile. And automatically, if you are Maria Jose, they will say Cote. You yeah. don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's it's easier, it's short. Um, yeah, so, I don't mind. You can call me any. <laughs> any, any. No, we'll call you Cote. You've had a big year this year, actually, in the WNPL and uh, with a new club, Salisbury Inter. You won the women's. MPL Player of the Year, which is a, a fantastic award. And when you were here previously, you were scoring goals for fun. Um, <laughs> how, how, how was it for women this year? We hear a lot about the men's football and COVID, the lockdown, you know, taking pay cuts and the difficulties. How was it for women's football? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Um, thank you for having me. It's for me again, um, uh, anything about women's uh, football, it's... Um, it's it's my pleasure to do it to talk about it. So, no thanks for that. And and yeah, well a big year, but very difficult because um, you know coronavirus is something that um, we all have struggles. Uh, I don't think it's not just for men. Um, we 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 did a struggle too. Um, all sports people feels all areas um, very very difficult, but we made it back. And I think the hardest part was to, to get used to a new routine, to get used to trying. Um, some people didn't have equipment at home. So some people were not prepared to, you know, um, to, to just uh, not being able to train with the team. Um, other people were, you know, um, not getting paid. So, yeah, really tough. It's, again, it did not just affect men's, but also um, us. And, you know, as you know, we don't get much pay either. Um, so it was a really difficult year, but again, um, personally and for myself, and I'm very happy the club made it back and made Inter, Salisbury Inter was great to help us going through, uh, having, you know, um, video calls, meetings, uh, Zoom, and and yeah, we were all connected somehow. So that is really important uh, psychologically for every single player. Mm -hmm. Just the, Cote, the FIFA have announced, obviously, well, back in June now that the World Cup's coming to us, to Australia and hopefully we do win some games here in Adelaide and this is in a couple of years time um, mm -hmm. 
It's massive, and you were part of France, and obviously you created history. And I've seen some vision of you in, in, in on Chilean TV, which is on YouTube. If you want to, you know, click on, and you're a superstar there. Oh, what, thank you. Well, you are, and and you should be a superstar here in Adelaide. I don't think you get enough uh, actually leverage and you know compliments for for what you can do on a football pitch. What do you think the World Cup to do to women's football, especially? where you live right now in Adelaide. And, and I think it's imperative we do win games. What do you think it can, can happen? Um, for myself, for example, um, um, I was very uh, blessed to be in a World Cup, to have, for me, it was my, my, my dream came true, you know, to be able to qualify with my country, Chile. It was massive. It was, again, as you said, it was something, uh, it's going to be part of the history. So the World Cup is a big stage. Um, it's the most important competition for a football player. And, and I think for South Australia, it's, um, and for Australia, um, it's going to be very, very big. Um, I was very happy they won the beat. And, and again, the Federation has been wielding women's football for a couple of years now. So I think it's great to have this opportunity to keep developing football, to to improve, to keep improving. And, and more than that, I think to give the opportunity to people to watch real football, to see other countries, to to learn, to fall in love, to engage. I think that's the most important thing. It's going to happen in 2023. So to just not be prepared for that, but to, to, to also bring those talent in South Australia. We have young talent that... Can, can 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 make it can why not they can be part of the national team the Matildas and in the whole South Australia you know supporters are falling in love with this game but it's a continuously improve, improvement Cotty uh, the ladies game it's certainly growing at a rapid rate of knots um, we all know that it's growing globally as well so um, we've seen Sam Kerr uh, hitting a hat-trick for Chelsea over the weekend there. I guess your career, going back, you're obviously a bit of a superstar in your own right, but um, do you have any aspirations still to maybe moving overseas? You are in the possibly the, the, the last years or you know two or three years left in, in playing it. Do you have any aspirations to, to go overseas? Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, for myself, like for me, it's always... Um, to challenge myself, to improve, but um, to compete, to compete. That's what I do. That's, that's what I love to do. Um, I was very lucky this year. I reject one of my contracts in Europe. And this happened, you know, coronavirus. And it was really bad year. So things happen for, for a reason. And I'm blessed to be here. Um, and again, not because I'm here, I'm just going to drop. I train every day. I keep my level. I keep my fitness up. I challenge myself. I watch football. And I maintain that, but yes, my aspiration is to to be able to go to the Olympics if we qualify, is to be there, help my country, is to be able to, if I get another contract overseas, when things settle a little bit more, yes, why not? If things doesn't settle, I'm not going to leave, of course. But yeah, yeah, I always wanted to uh, make that stay for next year, Olympics, and then try to keep playing for my national team. And who knows, qualify for the for the World Cup in Australia, it would be great to play here, my second home. God damn, um, beautiful, beautiful to hear, and, and, and I loved your mentality. I think you're a great role model for any any junior, not just only girls, boys, Thanks. also the way you train, the way you 
you prepare yourself and the mentality that you have. So congratulations for that. Now, Thank uh, you. talking about talking about um, uh, the, 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 the the World Cup, you know, the Women World Cup that is mm -hmm. coming. Do you think that in South America we got any chance, any chance to actually challenge this next World Cup to to win the title? In, from South, for, for South American South national teams, South American national uh, team, um, we we have we are still we 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 working together. We are imagine we are small countries. We're not developed country, mm -hmm. and and the opportunities and conditions are very very different. So mm -hmm. imagine Brazil and uh, even my country, Chile, Argentina. Argentina yeah. By not having much, we yeah. are able. To, to make it so it's it's impressive and it's, it's it's a double kind of recognition because that because we don't have what other developed countries like united states have yeah so for us it's, that's important but why not i think brazil is the biggest country in south america mm -hmm. they are um, they are working um they have this preparation very professional preparation they they now trying to have the, the, the same opportunities and, and equality, which is very important. I think, I think why not? I think we have the mentality in South America. We are competitive. We, we want to win everything. And, and that's just, you have to start somehow. And if we don't have the same conditions, facilities, and, no and things in our country, you know, we have to exactly. And, and you get used to it and you fight it anyway. So, um, and you know, Cote, why I'm asking you this, because it's unbelievable how big is the Latinian community. Um, and I'm excited when this World Cup come in, because a lot of cultures, they're going to they're gonna mix outside the stadium or inside the stadium. And that is priceless for, for any country that holds the World Cup. It's beautiful to bring all those cultures, people around, you know, it's just make people come together it's yeah. make people work together so i'm very excited look um, i'm already excited when i talk <laughs> and i can't wait I so kote just uh finally you obviously chile is vouching for olympic qualifications when's that next game and hopefully you'll be part of it to next qualify game, they planning to do it in february it could be march but the situation is really bad um uh in chile like numbers still yeah still high yeah so football is uh, is on. They 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 playing the competition back at home. It's it's, it's shorter, yeah. but yeah, we we have to see for them to confirm that. And yeah, hopefully, you know, um, I just want to be able to help my country or make the the Olympics, you know, and that's yeah. a big that would be big and huge as well. But we have to qualify. We have to play against Cameroon. Wow. So that's gonna be and a that's away as well. Yeah. Yes. That's an away game. Well, Cote, it's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck. Uh, with your career, good luck with Chile, and hopefully you make the Olympics, and and hopefully you're Thank still you. around, you're still playing when uh, Chile hopefully qualifies for hope Australia so, in 2023. I'm trying to look after myself. <laughs> gracias, Cote. Yeah. That's idea. Thank you, gracias, Marco. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. See you. Bye. Next well, lady, Val. She's she's a legend. I can drop that rumor now. Now she's gone. Which rumor? Adelaide United's picked her up. I set Twitter alight last week. By saying that Adelaide United have about to sign a, uh, a South American World Cup international, and everybody immediately thinks men. No, this is this is a superstar. Very good. It is. It's great for the game, yeah. and, and I think uh, she's going to do wonders. 
Yep. And it's great for my Latinian community, you know, just to get along, to go to high mash, to check, to check on, 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 on the women's team um, and to support, you know. Yep. It is. And, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about. And like, like I said, women's, the W League and the A League, they're kicking off simultaneously at the same time. Um, and the lead-in has been that remote. I've never come across a season with so little excitement into the lead-up of the A-League. I've seen it happen in the NSL. You virtually become used to it. But what do you think about this, Ali? The, the leading, and, and, and there's so many questions, and we talked about Newcastle Jets earlier, and I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I think a lot of people don't know where we're going. I think we're, we're guessing a lot of the times. Uh, you mentioned uh, a handful of clubs there without going through them, um, Val, but you, you've only mentioned about six clubs that are, look as if they're uh, stable, um, and that just rings alarm bells for me. Um, <laughs> we talk about sustainability and, and all, the, all, all the rest of the stuff, but um, you know, surely the finances have got to be well intact before they, they progress. And, you know, they've got fixtures there. Looks like somebody may fall over. Um, that's a good probability in, a, you know, two or three clubs. And if that happens, well, it, it affects the code big time. And that's my concern. Well, coming up shortly, uh, an Adelaide United former coach, a, a legend of Adelaide City, Adelaide United, the Socceroos. He's come back from Singapore. We're going to actually break up his boredom. Aurelio Vidmar. So we'd like to now welcome uh, a legend of South Australian football, Aurelio Vidmar. Unfortunately, he's undergoing 14 days of quarantine. Fiddy, you're not bored, eh? Always bored, my friend. How are you? So, well, I mean, this is day number two. What's, I know we're making light of it, but what is it actually like, obviously, being locked up in a hotel room now? Oh, well, it's a barrel laughs to start with. <laughs> <laughs> no, well... Uh... Yeah, well, it's important that you do it because uh, obviously we don't uh, don't need uh, people like uh, myself coming from overseas yeah. infecting uh, people. Need the need the world to go back to normal. I think that's the most important. So have to do the right thing. Unfortunately, um, yeah, not easy. That's for sure because you're stuck in a, um, a stock standard hotel room. Um, luckily, I've got a balcony this time, which is good. Yeah. So I'm able to open the balcony, let some air in, and uh, have a look outside. So um, that's fine. Do you need anything? Because Albie might drop over, throw some <laughs> stuff up. I, I might need some haggis. Haggis. <laughs> I've got plenty of that in the, in the fridge, for sure. Now, Vidi, you've just finished a season with uh, Singapore's Lion City Sailors, and I understand yep. that they're, they're the wealthiest club in, in Singapore. And your season got broken up by COVID 19. How was it? How was the league? And, and tell me, because we don't know all that much about it. How was it for you? Uh, yeah, it was a tough year, obviously. Tough year for us and tough year for everyone in, uh, in world football. Um, yeah, we shut down end of March and, and really didn't, didn't get back to training in, um, in a whole group until the 1st of September. So, um, uh, yeah, that was a very difficult period, obviously, um, through March to September. I think we trained in small groups for about 10 weeks leading up to September. And then everyone was probably just had a guts full of it and just wanted to start. And and, and every day was always a different message coming out. It's probably going to be postponed this year or cancelled. And, um, and then it's going to come, it's going to be back on. And 
So there was a lot of uh, ups and downs and a lot of frustrations for everyone. But the main thing was that everyone was uh, was healthy and, and safe. And, um, and once we got going, uh, I think we, we were only going to have four weeks of uh, another pre-season in September that uh, they decided to give us an extra couple of weeks because they weren't sure about... Uh, we have Brunei, who's in our competition as well, yeah. and um, they weren't sure that they were going to participate. Um, so we started the first couple of games and uh, still without knowing that uh, Brunei were going to be in. So they postponed a couple of their games. And then by week three, everyone was getting a bit cranky with the whole situation. And and when the, the league was actually going to finish and they wanted to finish it between a certain date. And um, and then they had to realise that, you know, there's foreigners in the country as well that needed to go home and potentially isolate so they'd be isolating through Christmas and New Year. So everything was <laughs> everything was up in the air. And then they finally decided to kick uh, Brunei out of the competition. And um, and we finished on the 5th of December. So just, I mean, obviously it was a shortened season. And you did, you did okay. You, you finished third, yep. only 14 games. But the actual, yep. the league itself, what, what's it like? Um, yes, interesting. Um, I would say probably with the top three teams um, they'd certainly be able to participate in the A-League round mid-table I'd say um, a lot of the other teams uh, yeah it's okay yeah there's, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of restrictions <clears throat> because you, you have to play three under 23 players yeah that's a, that's a start um, um, the salaries aren't huge. Like the local players will probably be getting a thousand dollars a month or something like that. Um, and then the foreigners, uh, the, depends who they are. It could be anywhere between five and ten thousand um, Aussie dollars a month. Mm. Uh, and when you compare that with, um, let's say, Thailand and uh, Korea, oh, you, you can't compare with Japan because that's probably. Uh, the uh, number one uh, nation in, in Asia. Um, yeah, it's uh, you can only attract a certain amount or a certain type of player anyway. Very uh, looking at uh, Singapore. Obviously, it sounds like uh, you know exciting time there. It's uh, a, a good part of the world. Um, is the the ploy for you to sort of keep your coaching happening uh, at that level, at that standard, and then maybe you know you did play in, in Japan as an example uh, in your playing career. Is, is, it, is there a, a sort of hidden agenda there to move on to a bigger club in, in Asia? Well, I want to keep coaching. So, um, um, you know, the longer you're out of the game, the harder it is to get back into it. Yeah. So, um, and, and look, the circumstances that I got to to um, Singapore um, are well known. Um, so um, at this stage, I've got another year. Look, I'm... It's a very good club. It's, it's probably, well, not probably, it is the best club in Singapore. Um, in February, got taken over by a Singaporean uh, businessman. He's very wealthy. He's, he, he wants to change the perception of, of football in Singapore. He wants all the other clubs to you know, get, get off their ass and, and start doing something to change, to change uh, the football in Singapore. You see, for years, 10 years ago, we had so many, um, there were so many very, very good players, for example, were playing in Singapore. The Singapore League was, was very, very strong. 
um, Alistair Edwards, uh, Warren Spink, Ernie Tapai, Vlada Bozanovsky, all these Aussies mm. were playing were playing there. It was a very strong league. But then all of a sudden, government changed the, the way um, the Singaporeans live and started focusing more on education rather than sport. So all the sports sort of started to fizzle out and there was hardly any interest in, um, in sport. So, um, you know, they were focused and the parents were focused more on getting a, a great education and the education system there is very, very good. Um, but what our owner now wants to do is to say, no, that you can actually have a career in football as well. So you can actually study, but also you can play sport. A little bit like what we do here, you know, our guys who go to school here, um, you know, they finish school at 3.30 and they're ready to train at 6 o'clock, whatever the case may be. But they're, they're starting school at 7 a.m. and sometimes finishing at 7 p.m. So some of their kids just don't turn up to training. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very difficult. So what our owner did this year, he, um, we've got an academy right through all the ages and the through the, the most important academic age is 12, 13 what he did was put a million dollars into that um, wow. into that um, playing group as the under twelves. So over the next four years, he'll he'll pay their education as, as so they can also come to training. And um, but the 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 difficult side of that is once they get to sixteen or seventeen, they can be called for national service. Oh, so cheap. then yes, and then they go away for two years, and so then they don't play football for two years. So um, it, there's a lot of a uh, lot a lot of challenges. Uh, it's been a real eye opener for me. And uh, like we we lost two guys during the course of the season to national service. So once they call, that's it. You're gone. And um, and then we also had a couple of uh, younger players who were doing school, um, but they managed to you know get out at so around about uh, four thirty from school and and make their way to training. Um, but yeah, look, it's very, very different. Very different. Um, our owner also is spending north of ten million dollars on a new academy and first team uh, facilities, which should be up and running by two thousand and twenty-two. Um, so he's really serious about um, changing the perception of uh, football in Singapore. So looking at the, uh, you, you've coached there for a, well approximately a year now, Vinny, and um, obviously you're right in the midst of COVID like the, the rest of the world is, but um, looking at the crowds out, outside COVID, what, what's the average crowds that would, um, would the games attract? Oh, as I said, 10 years ago, um, they were probably attracting 10,000 plus. Right. Uh, but these days it's probably two or 3,000 for most games. So uh, yeah, not a not a hell of a lot, but most of the stadiums are very small anyway. So a um, couple of thousand people is quite noisy. So very in general terms, look, we're, we're good friends. We've been friends for a lot of years. The whole panel here, but uh, are you enjoying what you're doing there? Is it uh, is it tasty enough for you, or challenging enough, or how are you feeling about things? No, f- fine. It's a it's a great club. As I said, it's the best club there. I'm happy to be back in coaching. I, you know, I wasn't coaching for a couple of years, and um, and that sort of opportunity came. To, and to be honest, I, I really didn't want to go in the first place, but they they flew me over. They said, just have a look, look at the plans. This is what we're thinking, and it was just one of those things. We got we got on very very well from the very first minute. You know, the synergy was was strong. It was good. good. Yeah. And um, I said, you know what? Let's just give it a bash and, and see how we go. And 
Um, and look, it's been absolutely fine. Yeah, lo lots and lots of different challenges, that's for sure. Um, um, I love coaching. I just love teaching. Um, you know, the, 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 the players, we have some very, very good players, in, in, certainly in our team as well. There's some national team players. We're going to strengthen again next year. There's certain areas where they, they should be a lot more professional than what they are, but that's all part of my job as well and educating them. And that's why they, they really wanted me to go there and, and be able to show them the, the way a, a real professional should, um, should live. Um, and to be honest, besides a few hiccups early in the season, they've just been model model footballers, and um, and everyone's been happy with the way that uh, the progress has happened. Brilliant. Finally, Vidi, just looking from afar, um, what's your take on the A League at the moment and what's going on? And we've talked about the lack of enthusiasm, the lack of coverage. I don't. How, how have you seen it? Well, you're right there. I think that, that that's happened for more than a year now. Lack of uh, enthusiasm and uh, and and coverage, um, and they certainly have a lot of challenges. There's no question about that. Um, we've seen a, a massive shift in um, um, in what the clubs are doing in terms of one um, bringing in local coaches, and that's probably a financial thing as well. Um, but in, in my view, the in my view, the local coaches are the right way to go, um, and um, you know I think we've uh, the past lots of clubs have wasted money on uh, so-called better <laughs> foreign coaches, but they they really haven't they really haven't changed a hell of a lot, and they don't and I, I still remember from the very first years everyone was saying oh you know um, all these foreign players or coaches are going to leave legacy, but they they never do. They never do. They, they said that Dwight York would leave a legacy. They said that Del Piero would leave a legacy. They don't. They come here, they, they take the millions, and then they disappear. And uh, I think it's just, that's just been the wrong way. Although, don't get me wrong, they've added value 100%. They've added value to the game, to a game, right? Not to the league and not to the longevity of the, of the competition. Fair comment, and I agree 100%, Vidi. That's a good point he makes, makes for there. Yeah. We got Flores though. He might be living a legacy. <laughs> yeah, he's different. He was a different. <laughs> he, he was different class. That guy. <laughs> you brought him out here. Sorry. You. So you're we the did. one that, that got we him did. over to Adelaide. We did. We uh, we worked hard uh, yeah. to get Marcos over. He didn't come the first year, but and then we finally got him the second year. Very uh, well, we've got you. We had a good chat with uh, Arnie and um, Tony. Tony yep. Bidmana, your brother, obviously, that uh, the assistant coach to the Socceroos, uh, for the listeners. Um, I guess the question I was going to ask you was, and I never asked Tony this, but, you know, is it, uh, has Tony got aspirations to be coaching uh, a senior team or being the head coach? Is that on his agenda? <laughs> you got to ask him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking his brother, mate? I, I forgot to ask him. Aurelio, I call you, I call you after we... Uh, so we talk for one hour... <laughs> I think he, I think he has, I think he has, and it's just waiting for the right opportunity yeah. and the right moment, and um, and whether he feels he's ready, I don't know. In, in my view, and just not knowing um, most coaches and young coaches and coaches who who started and have, have had five, six, ten years now, they always think they're ready, but it's a different ball game altogether. Right, and I, I was the same. I thought I was ready, but you, you're, you're faced with so many different challenges and pressures, yeah. and uh, and you only get better as the as the years go by. I'm, 
for example, I'm a much different coach today than I was 10 years ago, 100%. And I, and I think everyone is like that. And you can go through all the best coaches in the world from the minute they start to where they are. It's, it's, just, um, it's just a learning process and, and you, you, you gain the knowledge through experience. That's it. Vidi, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, let's hope that quarantine's not too harsh on you and hopefully yeah, we'll catch up for a coffee once you're out. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Vidi. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. What a legend. It's good to see him back in the country. And yeah. uh, it's, it's really a shame that we're losing his type of knowledge. Like, And, you know, as a coach, there's just not enough professional jobs to go around. Well, the bottom like, line is, you know, you're looking at the the environment that people are coaching in the A-League at this particular time, you know, it's not really that, it's not looking that good. Now, let's be honest about it. And I hate to say that's a negative, but so it's people but, like Vidi have got to, to, to keep the standards up. They've got to, unfortunately, go overseas. Earn a, earn a good yeah. quid. Uh, they're coaching at a, a decent level. And then when it gets better, maybe jump ship and then come back. I think that's what most coaches are are looking at you keep harping on about negative. I don't think it's negative, Al, but if, if if we don't speak up and say what the problems are, they're going to be keep being buried. Yeah, we've got to they've got to see the light of day. Otherwise, this game and and I'm really worried at the moment. You know about the the men's game in particular. And I think what's actually saving the A League right now is that Women's World Cup in 2023, because now the government's actually pumping millions of dollars into obviously infrastructure and hopefully yep. winning games. If it wasn't for that, we'd be in real, real trouble. We've got to get all this out in the open. Otherwise, our game's going to continue to suffer. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Val. There's not much to add to that because we have, we have talked a lot of negatives today. And you, you know, in hindsight, you're probably right in saying that. But um, they've really got to get their act together. They really have. And uh, you know, the clubs have got to get their act together. Um, and all of the above. It looks like the ladies' game... Uh, is in a good. He's in, he's in a good. It's in a good place, and uh, wh- whatever they're doing, let's maybe copy that. But um, but one thing's for sure, we've got to get it uh, a lot better than what it is at this point in time. Okay, that wraps it up for uh, edition eight of the podcast. Hopefully, we'll catch you next week. Thanks to Jared for driving it this morning as well. Jared, well done, mate. Thanks, boys. It's been an experience. I've learned a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you next week. Thanks for your time. Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer.